Caruso runs a break. Caldwell Pope goes to the wing here. Dave! Oh! Trying to play at the defensive end. Got blown by back. Oh, yes! Hook jam! Hard step back. Puts up the three. Got hit. Shot's good! And look Just down here. Seth. Oh! What's up, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, Kendall K. Howard, and I am back again with another episode of Trey Ball. And it looks like we're in a new facility here. Um, it's part of the reason why you all haven't seen me in a minute. I've been in the process of doing a lot of stuff, uh, one pertaining to me moving in. That's why I'm in my new place right now. Uh, my birthday was also, it was like two, three weeks ago. I can't even remember when my old birthday was. Would you look at that? Um... <laughs> Uh, and then also I was gone for a little bit as well due to some training I had to go take care of. But we are back here today with another episode of Trey Ball. We are in the midst of playoffs. The first week just now completed of playoffs. And as I'm recording this on Mamba Day, actually, 824. Um, some games are still going on right now. My paces are playing the Heat right now, trying to avoid a sweep. Uh, we'll, we'll get more into that as we go on to the show. But, yeah, you know what? Let's... No, no need to wait. No more introduction. You, you already know the deal. Let's get straight into it. So the big story that's been going on right now that everybody's been talking about is the Mavericks and Clippers series, which is my favorite series thus far. Uh, last game proved to be why it is the best series going on right now, in my opinion. Um, last night we seen the Clippers and the Mavericks. Well, last yesterday afternoon I should say it was a three thirty game. Um, the Mavericks and the Clippers played yesterday, and if you've seen Game Three. You seen that Doncic? Uh, he suffered an injury to his ankle, nothing too severe that made him go out of the game, but it was something that was very notable. Um, people was questioning uh, his ability will he be able to play Game Four, and boy did he come and play. He played Game Four. He's the man put up a forty-point triple double. He's on an incredible run in this series, breaking records that they I didn't even know was even there, being like one of the youngest to score. Uh, consecutive, like what? Cause like thirty plus in consecutive games since Kareem or someone is this, these stats that they're pulling out. Is Luca is just breaking these records, and it just goes to show that he might be on the path to be one of the greatest players going forward. The fact he's doing this at an age younger than me now—that's crazy when I even think about it. These players are now younger than me. Um, it just goes to show that he has what it takes to be a great player, especially with that shot that he took in the clutch at OT against Reggie Jackson, which I don't understand why. I'm going to get into this right now. I don't understand why Reggie Jackson was guarding him on that play when it should have been a Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. Now, Paul George, who is not playing well this series at all, in the last three games of the series before game four, he was averaging 11.3 points, shooting 21% from the field, uh, 16 point or 16 percent from three pointer, and one for two, and the record that was for the Clippers. Now they're two and two. Um, now as we see, he I think when he updated it that he is now shooting below like at least 25 percent, and nobody's done that. I heard this morning. Yeah, nobody's done it since Bob Cousy. So Paul George obviously got to step it up for the Clippers to close out this series because going into this series, I knew this wasn't going to be an easy series for the Clippers to begin with. Uh, the Mavericks literally have the highest offensive efficiency in the entire league. In the entire league. So, granted, people talk about all this great perimeter defense that the Clippers talk about, they brag about. 
Defense is so good, but when you are matched with greater offense, it's even harder to stop. So I think also with the Clippers, they need to buckle down and come together because this is like one of the few times that they play together as a full team. They still not even in full capacity. Like Patrick Beverly's not even playing right now. So they don't even have the full team. And people might say that's a constant excuse. People, excuse me. As a constant excuse that Clippers uh, fans or people that talk about them use, it's like, oh, they're not full, they're not full potential, and this and that. But in this type of series where we are now in the playoffs, because in regular season, yeah, I can see people argue that, but in playoffs is where this type of stuff and chemistry actually matters because the amount of times these players play together will, it's showing, it's actually showing right now as we see in with the way they are playing and be, I wouldn't say be inconsistent because you have players like Kawhi Leonard who's been playing very well throughout the series regardless. He's averaging 31 points throughout the series. He's still put on the show. But you have players like Paul George who isn't playing the best he could be playing. And, you know, people are pointing to him just not being a, a, a or being a playoff no-show, which I, I can only defend you for so long, Paul. I can only defend you for so long, bro. You got to do something. You got to you gotta help me because they was talking about you when you was in OKC. And I, and I was like, ah, nah, he, he's still good. Now, now you just... Ah. Paul George got to step up. I'm going to be real. He just got to step up. Come on, PG. Step step, step it up, man. Because this is only the first round. We got two. We got three more rounds to go to get to that finals. Come on now, Paul. Yes, I'm a big Paul George fan. So obviously, I'm going. I'm rooting for this guy to get it together. So it's it's just it's just crazy to see this type of thing happen. But like I said, I expected this to happen. I really did. I expected this series to be a very tough one. I see the series even going to seven games um, because it's Luka Doncic and Kristaps who wasn't even playing. Or yeah, I think got taken out in game four. I didn't get to watch the full game. Uh, because I was at work during the time, but I did watch when he actually hit the shot. Um, and also with Kristaps uh, uh, Porzingis, he got ejected in Game One. Many pointed out and said that well, if he didn't get hurt or he didn't get ejected in Game One, the uh, Mavericks would have been up right now. They've been up three one. People said that he should have been up three one. Because then also in Game Two, I think it was Game Two where yeah, it was Game Two. With the fouls that was going on, I think that was happening. And people would say that the clip, the Mavericks should be up 3-1, but that's not the case. We are now seeing it, that it is 2-2. Uh, Clippers, I see them coming back and rallying and being able to go and beat the Mavericks in Game 7. Because, I mean, as much performance Luka Doncic is putting on right now, it's not their time. And if the Clippers get eliminated in the first round, I don't know what to say. I just don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Let's just hope it's not get there because these Mavericks boys ain't bad in themselves. They're not bad. But I just think compared to the Clippers as a roster, as a team, as a whole, they shouldn't beat them. But this is the bubble environment. Anything can happen. I don't know. Uh, next series I want to talk about is a game that's actually just finished before I just recorded this. It's the Rockets and Thunder. Uh, series, which is also another series that's tied 2-2 now. Thunder th- taking the last two games on, on their home court. Usually you want to call it their home court because there's really no home court advantage in the playoffs. Um, behind Dennis Schroeder's 28 points. Uh, Chris Paul played re- uh, pretty well as well. But that's with, with Schroeder uh, contributing 28 points off the bench, it just goes to show like the Thunder's 
ability to play because that's something they've been using throughout the whole entire season is just their guard play with Chris Paul, Shea Gilligas, and Dennis Schroeder, who's been playing even better off the bench this season compared to last season when he was coming behind Russell Westbrook. I don't know who to point that blame to or what. Maybe it's because Chris Paul's leadership, but whatever. Um, the Thunder in the first game, however, they were shook because the Rockets kind of changed up their defensive system and started playing uh, a zone-type defense, and they still continue to play that. I was watching that in the game just now uh, against the Thunder because uh, the Thunder, if you watch them play a little bit, they kind of try to play like a Rockets, not as much. But they, at least from what I noticed from like game one, they was trying to put up a lot of three-point shots, but it just wasn't hitting. And with the Rockets' defense, with them being able to switch on everything and playing that zone-type defense, it was effective and it was working for them. And they got a very convincing win off the Thunder at first game. The second game, however, it was very close. Uh, the Rockets wasn't able to shoot as many threes or make as many threes, I should say, in game two. They struggled shooting, but they still found ways to win. Um, as I was watching, as I watched some games throughout the series, um, they've been getting to the basket a lot, a lot of penetration because with that five-out offense they got, they would pull Steven Adams out the paint, which is their interior defender. Um, and with that, with Steven Adams not inside the paint, it allowed for players like Eric Gordon, who's been playing well, uh, averaging 18 points this series, to go attack the paint. He was doing that a lot in game one, too. Jeff Green, who's been playing very well as well, he's averaging 19.7 as the second-highest scorer on that team behind James Harden's uh, 31, 32 points. 32 points he's put up this series. So they've been attacking the paint a lot more often. So that was why they was able to still come out with the win in game two. But game three and game four, they, it's been close ones, but the Thunder has been able to pull it out. I know in game three, uh, in clutch time, Chris Paul, behind his great leadership, he did some, he did a clutch shot from the side. I like I just like how he pulled it up too. Like he like shot it like this from the side like that. Great range, great little arc behind the shot. And then he also kicked it out to Shea Gilligas for a cool, calm and collected three in the corner. Uh, I, that shot was in the fourth quarter. The shot that Chris Paul hit himself was an OT to solidify the win. It was a very good like I said, it's a very good, interesting series. Considering the storyline going behind it as well, I mean, this is literally the team that Chris Paul was used to play for last season and got traded to, and many thought that going into the season, like there was like that's like an image floating around online still from like the very first game of the season where their playoff chances was like point two something percent of them making to the playoffs, and now they are in the playoffs as the fifty fifty, and it's crazy when you think about that because looking on paper you wouldn't think this team was going to be able to make it to the playoffs, but they still have some good pieces. They still have Steven Adams. And drink some water. Uh, Gallinari, they gained from the trade that they did for Paul George. Uh, Shea Gilligas was a good piece. He's been playing very well. Schroeder is still there. Um, and Chris Paul, of course. Many thought he was going to just go off and not be able to do anything this season. But he's proven many, including myself, wrong. Um, and he's continuing to do that now and into the playoffs. Still giving the Rockets, his former team, uh, the business, as you want to call it. <laughs> and even, like, as I say, also between, like, this, the storyline that's going on between these two teams, uh, even before the game that just took place, there was some yapping going on between Russell Westbrook and Steven Adams, which to me is very interesting because these two have always been the great friends on the team. But as it goes to show you Russell's character, his very competitive nature that if you're not on his team, you don't care who you are. But... 
I mean, hopefully we'll, we'll see how, how it turns out after this that they there's nothing like no real rift between the two. I don't think it really is. It's just, you know, competitive nature going on between the two teams talking. Uh, another thing I noticed in this past game as the Thunder beat the Rockets, uh, the, the Rockets set the NBA record for what, 58 three-pointers attempted in this game. Now, now I think I, if I heard correctly, they held the previous record, which I didn't pull up before this because, like, the game just ended. Uh, they held a previous record before, and another thing I want to propose is like, could we possibly see them break this record again uh, as the playoffs continue? Because as we see, that Tony has doubled down on this offensive system of five out, small ball, shoot as many threes as possible, and it has proven to work. The team is playing well, and you got to keep in mind too, Russell Westbrook is not playing right now, so the team is. You want? I mean, you can say it's thriving. I mean, they just granted it's had two losses back to back. And we see, we'll see how the series plays out even more. But they're playing efficient. They're still playing very well uh, besides that game two loss where they didn't shoot very well from the field. Uh, when Russell comes back, who they got into him that he doesn't have to shoot as many threes, which helps them too. He can, like, attack the paint. Like I said, that's what Eric Gordon was doing and Jeff Green was doing as this series has been going on. So I will probably see – they'll probably even break this record as a playoff going on. Who's to say? I think they will. They will. We'll probably see it next series if they face the Lakers or Portland. We'll talk about that. Uh, and even if they get past them, we'll see that in the West Conference Finals. And I, I'm not, they're not going to the Finals. I, I can't see that. I can't see that happening. Um, the Thunder did do a better job on defense this game, I will say. Um, I, especially in the crunch time, I could tell. Um, there was one shot that James Harden got. He put up instantly because the team was down by five points. They was down by five points. Uh, with 15 seconds left to go, and less it was like less than two seconds. Inbounds the ball to James Harden right there in front of the inbounder, uh, left left corner, not the corner, left left wing three, instant instant three. But it was already two defenders on top of him, and at that point, this is better offense just beating good defense. But the Thunder did do a better job of guarding the team this time around. Um, in terms of like interior, yes, that's why I think they did a better job at it. Cause like I said, the Rockets was just opening up the floodgates by playing that five-out system, but still being able to attack the paint and cut in between uh, the players. So, Thunder did a good job with that. I think they need to do that going forward if they want to find a way to win this series, which I don't have them win this series. I have the Rockets win this series. I actually have the Rockets win this at five. But as we stand right now, the series tied 2-2, Rockets in six. Uh, next series I want to talk about... <sighs> 76 of fans, get your tissues. Get your tissue paper out. I'm drinking a cup of water. Pour one out for y'all. I ain't gonna pour nothing out. I'm not gonna pour water out for you, 76 of fans. Not on my floor. Y'all ain't worth the trouble. Sorry for y'all. I don't care. 76 has got swept. And I knew this was gonna happen. No, I didn't. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I did think it was going to happen. With Ben Simmons not being there, uh, it, it kind of hurt the 76ers' chances of, well, at least, I thought at least. Okay, now I'm over going back and forth. I thought at least they can get one game. At least one game. They got close to it in game three, I think it was. I think they got close to it in game three. Um, but other than that, nah, it just, it just wasn't panning out for these boys. It just wasn't. It just wasn't panning out for them. As the Celtics just 
got the brooms out. They was sweeping. They just swept them. But was this series more so about Boston or was this about the 76ers? Because what I saw from Boston, I saw a team that was sitting on all cylinders, playing their game. Jason Tatum exploded the first two games with about 30 points uh, each game. Uh, the second, the third game, he had 15 points, but Kim Walker had 28. Uh, the fourth game, he exploded back again. He, I think he had 28 points. The uh, fourth game, Jason Tatum did. And the whole team has been playing well, shooting a lot of threes, uh, playing good defense. Uh, it's They've just been playing well, very well coached by uh, Brad Stevens. Jalen Brown has been playing well. Kim Walker hitting a clutch shot in game four to seal the fate of the – 76ers, or what's that? Yes, it was game four. I've seen that. Still in the fate of the 76ers. And Tobias Harris, salute to him. I, even though in the fate of, or in front of being swept and facing elimination, this man came back out after falling face first and having a laceration to his eye. Uh, salute to that guy. Tough guy right there. But, but this wasn't about Boston. Uh, Playing as well as they do, as they have, because this is expected from them. I think this is more so about Philly and their team. Because if you listen to the show, you know I've been talking about this throughout the whole entire year about what I think about Philly and what I think about their team and what I think needs to happen for them to be a successful team. At first, it started off as like, all right, well, we'll see how this works, and then it just slowly just just going into get rid of Brett Brown, and that happened. Today, Brett Brown has been fired as the coach of Philly. Many people saw this, especially as the series is playing out, that he's going to get fired from the team. Um, Joel Embiid, I mean, he played well. He had 30 points and 11 rebounds, but he, he could have done more. I feel like he, he could have done more. I mean, because, like, going, like Kenny pointed out last night on TNT, I mean, going against centers, like, no offense to, like, Daniel Tice and Enos Cantor. Uh, Cantor, who is notoriously known for not being a good interior defender, you would think he would put up more points against him, especially with him being the primary scoring option and Ben Simmons not being there. Uh, you would think there would be, I would think he'd probably go for like 40 games or something. But that is not happening. Um, this team just wasn't, it wasn't constructed the right, the right way, if you really look at it. I, even last like summer when they uh, signed Al Horford from the free agency, and they got Josh Richardson, I guess, in that little signing trade for Jimmy Butler. It just didn't seem like a team that was going to mesh well together because one of their biggest holes once they lost J.J. Redick was shooting. And when you look at somebody like a Josh Richardson um, and uh, Al Horford, which was two big additions to that team, yeah, they can shoot, but they're not that knockdown-type shooters that you needed. And as the season progressed... It turned out that Al Horford, who played the four in college, he didn't play the four as much in NBA, but played the four in college. Just his game couldn't translate well playing alongside Joel Embiid, so they had to relegate him to the bench. So this team just, just wasn't put together. Then it starts at the top with the leadership for Brett Brown as well. Um, he just didn't have a tight hold on this team. Uh, granted, he was there for seven seasons, and he dealt with a lot of stuff through the process of the first four, but then three seasons afterwards, as he played with the team, you can say, okay, the first year that they was there, okay, they was young. Second year, all right. But now in this season, um, 
it's like you have to make it work. There has to be a coach out there to make it work. Some people point to and say that maybe either Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid has to be traded from this team in order for this team to fully reach its potential and to get to easy conference finals or the finals that the city has been yearning for for years. But I don't even think that you need to trade one of the two players. I think that they can play well with each other. It just takes a better coach. Uh, I think it takes Ben Simmons to finally start shooting the ball, have confidence in himself, and for Joel Embiid to be in shape. Uh, I think those are things that are very crucial and needed for this team in order for them to be successful. They need more shooters. I think if they are smart, maybe this offseason we'll probably see them trade Al Horford for something. I mean, he's got three years left on this deal. He's he's a I mean, he ain't that old. He's like in his early 30s of a big. He can stretch the four. He's a good playmaker. I think you trade him to a team that probably looks at him and pop and get like a shooter for him. Uh, and if, in terms of like Tobias Harris and Josh Richardson, you, you can keep him. You can put Tobias back at the four and move Josh Richardson to the three. Or you can get go out and get a three when you try to trade for Al Horford to put a nice shooter at that three to solidify that spot. And you get a better coach to coach this team and lead this team and to get – Ben Simmons to be more comfortable and to get Joel Embiid to be more consistent, to be better with his health, I think this team can be good. But as of right now, as it stands, it's like this this team just was was just doomed from the start to me. Like I like I had my worries. Like okay, yeah, they all pretty big. They got a very big lineup. They got you know all guys are above what six seven six six in their starting lineup. Okay, that's cool and all, but in this day and age, that really don't matter as much. Cause as we seen with the Rockets, who playing with a lineup of six eight and below, and they are being very successful because they are shooting the ball. So when you have a lineup like Philly, who has a, a roster of players six seven and above, but they can't shoot, it just won't translate to a lot of wins. And we see that with their record too. They was very good at home. But terrible on the road, like terrible, terrible record on the road. Um, so there, there's, there needs to be a better coach. Who may that be? I don't know who can it be for them. Um, I've seen people reference Mo Cheeks from the Thunder. He's one of their assistant coach. He is a player that used to play for the Philadelphia 76ers uh, back in the day, like the late 70s, early 80s. Um, I think, I don't know. I honestly don't know who's out there to be, to be a good coach for them. It needs to be a coach that will be able to galvanize his team and to be the driving force and to be a true leader and to hold all his players accountable on, on that team. I think it, I don't know who it would be at the time. I can't think of off the top of my head, but I think that's what they need. And to trade Al Horford or trade I, – I, like I, I don't want them to trade Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, but to trade a piece like that, Al Horford or Josh Richardson or Tobias, uh, to get a good guy. A good three three point shooting guy or a couple excuse me a couple guys for them. Um, next series I want to talk about uh, is a series that's actually going on right now. The Pacers and Heat. Now my Pacers they are now facing elimination. We are down three zero. Uh, we don't have Demontis Sabonis. Uh, Victor Oladipo went down one game. But he's still been playing. T.J. Warren has been playing like the T.J. Warren of the seeding games that we've been used to been playing or seeing, I should say. Um, it's just the Heat are just outplaying these guys. That's From what I've been watching and what I've been seeing, the Heat is just straight out outplaying these guys. In the last game, the Heat survived a comeback, uh, winning the game 124 to 115. Um, 
And you've been seeing, I've been seeing guys just been hooping. Duncan Robinson went for seven, eight from three, one game. I think that was game two. It was game two, he went seven for eight for three. Um, and it's just like Jimmy Butler's been doing well, leading this team, uh, being a good penetrator. Again, his teammates involved. Gordon Drogic, who's been taking over for Kendrick Nunn, who has not been playing in these games uh, due to a lack of, or poor health, I should say. Because uh, if you remember that he did suffer the coronavirus before they went to the bubble, him and Bam Adebayo. But Bam Adebayo was clear that he came into the bubble and he played very well. But Kendrick Nunn, who wasn't in good shape uh, when he returned to the bubble, he played in some of the season games, just wasn't the best of shape. So he hasn't been playing in this series. But Gordon Drogic, who was going on the last year of his contract, I might add. Uh, this is his last year of his contract. He will be free agent this offseason. He's been playing very well, averaging over 20 points this, this series, and being a good leader on the floor and like getting everybody involved in scoring when need be necessary. Uh, I think in one game he scored 20 points in a, in a half uh, and only dropped four points in the, in the first half. So, And even in game three, the Heat took 52 free throws. So... Just stop. Let's just stop right there. 52 free throws. Nate Millen talked about this in the post-game press in game three. That's ridiculous. That's that's a lot of free throws. That's a lot of fouls that is being contributed to this team getting the points they need to get to the line. That's a lot. 52? I just said that the Rockets had broke the NBA record with the most three-pointers attempted in the game. And that's 58. Now, that's... For some reason, that doesn't seem too far-fetched to me as 52 free throws seems to me for a team. Because 58 threes, that's a lot of threes being chucked up. Yeah. But 52 free throws? Jesus Christ. That's a lot. That's a lot of free throws. It's a lot. The the Pacers, I don't know. I, I can't, but I can't even sit here and say that I really expected them to do much this playoffs. Like, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm I'm sorry to all my Pacers fans. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Eddie. I'm sorry to all my Pacers. You know, I... I really didn't expect them to do this much anyway. I didn't really expect them to get past the first round. Granted, we are a higher seed than the Miami Heat. I still didn't really see us getting past the first round. The Heat, they may not be, they may have been a higher seed than us, but they are a better team, I would think. Like I said, Jimmy Butler and Ben Adebayo, both who are all-stars. We don't even have an all-star. We don't even have the monster bonus. Oladipo's not even fully 100%. Like he's not even playing like the old Depot that we know to be an all star. We don't we, we don't have that right now. Malcolm Brody played good a couple games. Miles Turner, we've been doing all right, but we we're just not there right now. Nate Millen's been doing a good job. He's got his contract extension. I've seen that. He very well deserved that considering the team that he's been coaching and for the record that we've been producing. He deserved that. But I really don't I don't see us getting past the first round this year. Uh can this happen next season? I don't know because I don't really see nobody else really getting traded off this team. Maybe a Miles Turner. Hopefully not. Um, but that could, that could be a possibility of something that could happen. Um, but I didn't really expect the Pacers to do much. So this doesn't shock me. But getting swept, that does kind of shock me. At least I can – I want at least two games. I, I thought this was going to go to game six. But hopefully as I'm watching – or as you all are watching this, that – they didn't get swept by this time that you are watching, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll stay in the East and talk about another series, the Bucks and the Magic. Uh, the very first game, very shocking. Very shocking. And what I mean by very shocking, if you know what I'm talking about, the Magic dominated the Bucks. I'm talking about they led the game. Like, they was beating them the whole game. It wasn't one of those wins 
that was like, oh, they won in the clutch like they did last time when DJ Augustine hit that clutch three on the Raptors to take game one. No, 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 no. These guys dominated the Bucks. Giannis put up some great stats. He was playing well. He had 36 points that game, uh, 17 rebounds, and about a couple of assists or something, but they still lost. <laughs> they still lost. They the magic was playing very well. They was they came out with high energy, relentless, playing good defense, was scoring the ball efficiently. Vucevic went off. He had a good game. And that was without Aaron Gordon. Jonathan Isaac still not playing. He's left the bubble. He's gone with his injury. Um Michael Carl Williams didn't play that game either. And they just dominated them. Dominated them. Played well. But the Bucks, as I predicted, as I knew, many knew, that was gonna continue to happen. The Bucks came back. And they are now leading the series uh, 3-1. After they won today, actually, beating them 121-106. to uh, There's nothing too much to say about this series, I would say. Um, besides, like, that game one, I haven't been paying too much attention to it. I ain't going to lie. Uh, they've been showing the games on NBA TV, which I do not have access to. But um, from what I've been seeing um, and been watching the highlights of from the games, they Giannis is playing like a true MVP. He's averaging 31 points this series, 16 rebounds, six assists. Uh, one thing I did, I will say, I noticed the Magic did do well, and look, that can be a problem uh, going forward. They did play good interior defense on Giannis. Granny still scores 36 points. Uh, they played well defensively against the team and kind of closed out properly when he was looking for that driving kicks that he does constantly to all those shooters like Chris Middleton or George Hill or Vincenzo, all these players that he have on his team. Uh, they did play very well. Uh, so I don't think the note for the Bucks going forward, I know people just expecting them to just to steamroll their way to the finals. But as we talk about with the next with the next series I'm going to get into, and even with the Celtics, um, they, well, they, they wouldn't play this. They'll play, ooh, they would play the Heat. They will play the Heat next. That's gonna be an interesting series. That's gonna be an interesting series. Um, that's that's what that was actually that's actually a series that I look forward to because if I believe so, in the regular season, the Bucks have lost both times against the Heat. And the Heat, who are they are a smaller team than the Bucks, but they play better defense than the Bucks actually, and they actually know how to guard Giannis. So it actually be a good series to see. Uh, in the Western, uh, not Western, Eastern semis. Um, next series I want to talk about is the Raptors versus the Nets. Another sweep that took place. Uh, well, not another a sweep. Yeah, they are. There's a sweep that took place. Um, what did the Raptors show me from this series? Well, they showed me they play very, very, very good team basketball, both on both ends of the floor, offensively and defensively. So much so that in game four, they out of the 150 points they scored total, their bench scored 100. Let me let me say it again. Out of 150 points total, what the hell was that? Their bench scored 100. 100 points. If that's not team basketball to you, I don't know what it is. I don't know what team back you need to go get a book. Team basketball 101. You need to hit up Naismith. Look it up. This that was team basketball. They've been playing very well hard on defense. That's one of their big things. They're playing hard on defense. Uh, and this is their first sweep in franchise in franchise history. Now, with all this being said, Nick Nurse actually won coach of the year as well. Uh that's that would make two 
culture two culture two culture of the year awards for Toronto within the past three seasons because you remember Dwayne Casey won Coach of the Year before he got fired and now he coached for the Pistons. So Nick Nurse won Coach of the Year. Congratulations. Very well deserved with this team. Community didn't predict him to be as good this year without Kawhi Lynn, which brings me to my point. With Kawhi Lynn not being on this team and being that go-to guy we needed a bucket, uh, especially in environments like this in the playoffs, who will that guy be for the team now? People will say it will be Pascal Siakam. We haven't seen that as much from him um, throughout the year to be that go-to guy to get that bucket or being the guy that wants to, you know, step up and take that, like, chance and take that charge of being that go-to guy and saying, give me the ball. I'm taking you there. He is, like, granted, no, no shade against him. He's still being a good player. Um, he's still a great player, I should say, but he – hasn't showcased that mentality to be a top dog alpha male like that. So there's been questions being raised of, like, who is that guy going to be in Toronto? Because in these wins that they have against um, Brooklyn, they haven't been so close. So when you get to the series, next series, whatever, play. Okay, so I was right. Yeah, I said another sweep earlier. Yeah, my fault. So when they play the Celtics next series, who is a formidable team, as I said, like, not, not saying that Brooklyn wasn't because they play very hard. Without their players, without Spencer Dinwiddie, without KD, without Kyrie, without DeAndre Jordan, without the, like those key players and Joe Harris who went out at the game too. Without those key players there, they've been playing very well. Um, so as they face a team like Boston, not to say that they're gonna blow them out or all the time, or the Celtics gonna blow them out. There's gonna be some close games. There, I guarantee you, there'll be some close games in between those two teams. Who's gonna be that guy that the Raptors can go to and say, "Take us there." Because Kawhi is not there no more. Could it be Fred Van Vliet, who's been playing very well uh, in the last series and shown to be a go-to guy in some games last season, last year in the playoffs, especially in the finals? Could it be him? Uh, who's to say? Kyle Lowry, who actually suffered a sprained ankle, who, as I haven't heard too much of about what is it going to be going forward for the Boston series that's supposed to start on Thursday. Uh, oh, I, by then, he, he should be recovered. It's only Monday right now. Uh, so who is going to be the guy to carry that team? Uh, another thing I'm talking about with Toronto that came out, kind of let's change it up a little bit, is about what actually took place last year in the finals. If you all remember the incident where Masai Ujiri was stopped by a security guard slash police officer from getting onto the court because they didn't believe his credentials, didn't know who he was. And there was an incident, a scuffle that took place between the between the two and Ujiri wasn't able to get on the court until Kyle Lowry brought him onto the court. Um, the body cam footage for that finally released. Uh, I know they asked like some of the players about the matter and how they feel about that. And me, I just want to dive a little bit on it real quick just to go into it. You would think that, I mean, I guess you would think in this day and age that that type of stuff wouldn't happen. I mean, because even with credentials, because if you watch the footage, the police officer or security officer, I, I think he was a police officer, um, pushed your jury. Your jury didn't, didn't, he didn't do, like, he didn't engage in contact with the police officer. He was just trying to get on the court, and the police officer pushed him twice. Now, what makes this case more interesting is the fact that the police officer tried to sue your jury for, I forgot what the cause was, but he tried to sue him, and your jury came out with a countersuit. And that's why this body cam was finally being released and we're finally seeing this. Because not only did this police officer, like, 
did he antagonize Ujiri and try to stop him in such a precious moment for Ujiri for winning the NBA championship? And kind of, I, I, I can only imagine what Ujiri is going through in that mindset and throughout that, like, that whole entire process. That can be traumatic, like, just traumatizing for him, especially in that moment, which is supposed to be a feel-good moment for him. Not only did he try to do that to Ujiri, but he also tried to victim the blame and make Ujiri the bad guy and try to sue him. Because I I don't know I think the police officer lost his job I think that was one reason why he tried to do that or there was some ramifications that came from him doing that so it just goes to show you that like God know there's instances out there like that as you see with like the internet people talk about like Karens and stuff and these people white people that will be violent and aggressive and will do heinous things towards people but then try to flip the script and. Trying to make it seem as if they are the victim of the situation when they caused the situation in the first place for this for this to happen, which is totally not wrong. Not, I'm not just saying white people do this because other people can do this as well. But as a recurring theme, we see with white people and white privilege that goes on, and that's something that just needs to be resolved. And I hope that people will just learn to just abstain from stuff like that and to just take responsibility for your actions and not to try to victim blame and to. Um, some words I'm just losing my head right now. Like not just to antagonize people be for their color and just because of just just whatever. Like just be kind. And if you do something wrong, you did something wrong. Just, just stick with it. Like you did it wrong. But I'm not gonna go too deep into that. Um. So what is this? Like I said, we talked about like how this would mean for Toronto going forward for the team. Like who would they have that go-to guy? But what about Brooklyn? What did Brooklyn show me in this series? All right, pointing to the fact that they are showing that they are a tough team. Um, I even without all their players, I thought they can at least get one game. I thought they were gonna give them at least one game, but unfortunately, it did not happen. Uh, Karis Avert, he's been playing very well. Uh, I saw one stat that. He was one of the guys that off of pick and rolls that he got doubled second most to Damian Lillard. Um, Damian Lillard had like 951 times like where that happened. Uh, and Karis LeVert was second to that. I forgot what his number was. But with the way Karis LeVert has been playing, if you put that alongside Kevin Durant when he returns, Kyrie Irving when he comes back, and when the team is coming back to a full roster, this team next year – could be a team that goes to the finals. It can be. It could be. They get a good coach. Uh, there's been rumors that they are seriously exploring the possibilities, listen to this, of getting Greg Popovich from San Antonio to be the head coach, who is one of KD's favorite coaches. If that can happen, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if they be able to pull Greg Popovich from San Antonio. I mean, that man been in better there for decades. That would be incredible. That can be a team that... If that happens, if Greg Popovich becomes a coach of the Brooklyn Nets, that's my pick for the 2021 NBA champions. You heard it here first. That's my pick for the 2021 NBA champions will be the Brooklyn Nets if they can get Greg Popovich to be the coach of the Brooklyn Nets and they, Katie and Kyrie stay fully healthy, that's champions. Those are the champions right there. I can see it happening. They have all the pieces to, to do it. With Karis LeVert, like I said, he's playing very well. He can be a great third option for that team. He won't be like a, such a below third option like a Kyle Kuzma is for the Lakers. He'd be a great third option. He'd be like a Klay Thompson to the Warriors when KD and Steph was there. Like, he can be that guy that when Kyrie ain't feeling it, 
he can go off. Karis can go off. If KD ain't feeling it, he can go off. If none of them is feeling it, he can go off himself and they can still be able to win. Karis LeVert has shown that, if you remember last season, he was on the brink of being awesome before he had his injury too. So with that team and with Joe Harris returning, who is a sharp shooter, yes, Mr. Dinwiddie, who is a tall guard coming off the bench, and you have DeAndre Jordan, Jared Allen, and you have Wilson Chandler, you have a couple of those guys that they have on the bench as well. That That's a championship team to me. I think that has changed. With Greg Popovich as the coach, with that system, and you implement a system, a different type of system, I think they'll be, I think that's the coach. I think that's the team right there to win the NBA championship. So, let's go to another series, which I, this is where I said the Mavericks and the Celtics, not the Celtics, the Mavericks and the Clippers is the best series. This is the second best series, I think, in my opinion. The Jazz and the Nuggets. This from game one, it's been electrifying. Literally electrifying. Game one, we had the Nuggets win the game in overtime with Donovan Mitchell putting up 57 points. Jamal Murray went off to, he had 36 points. But in game two, game three, Nuggets got blown out. No defense was being played. They just got torched by the Jazz. And then in game three, Mike Conley returned. Like I said, the Jazz blew him out. He returned um, from his quarantine. And he shot 7 for 8 from 3, which is a playoff high from him. And he scored 27 points. Now, keep in mind, the Nuggets do not have Will Barton. Gary Harris is slowly but surely coming back, which is these are two integral pieces on their team. But I didn't foresee them going down 3-1 because the Jazz did take game four last night behind Donovan Mitchell's, uh, yeah, 52, 51. And... Yeah, he had 51, and Jamal Murray had 50. Both, they they became the first players in history, in playoff history, for opponents to score 50 each, which is incredible. Now, like I said, I didn't see this team going down 3-1. I saw the Nuggets getting, I thought they was going to win last night. I really did. I thought they was going to win last night, but it came down to the wire, and the Jazz and Doc Mitchell just wasn't having it. They just was not having it. So, what does this mean? As they're down 3-1. Well, what would this mean for the team if they do lose this series? Granted, they are 3C versus a 6C Jazz. Who, on paper, you would think the Nuggets will be able to beat this, will be able to beat these guys. At least in my opinion. I think they are better. But it's I, I guess the Jazz just wanted more than these guys. That's what it looks like. It's like these guys just wanted more. The defense that the Nuggets are playing is obviously not effective enough. They literally have no answer for Donovan Mitchell. Literally, no answer for Donovan Mitchell. He's just been doing whatever he wants, scoring however he wants easily. They, they've they been surrounded by shooters. George and Yang, who've been playing very well. Jordan Clarkson had 26 in one game. It's, and they they just not playing without uh, Boyan Bondanovich. He's not there. So... I mean, if they lose this first round, what what does this mean for the Nuggets? I could, it means that, for one, like I said, they don't have all their pieces. Two, they are still relatively young, but there's only so much excuse because Donovan Mitchell is in his third year, and he's putting, he's already put out the Thunder his first year. He put out last year, who did he play last season? I think, who did he play last year? I think he might have got put out the first. Nope, because he ended up. Facing the Rockets. No, they lost. They lost last year. Yeah. No. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to think too much about it right now. But 
Donovan's just been proving in these past three seasons to be a good playoff player. So you can't just put age on it. This has to be some mentality within one of these guys to be that go-to guy to really carry and lift this team to just take him to the moon. Jamal Murray, many could say he could be that guy to be that go-to scorer, but he's just being consistent because for where he scored 36 in the first game, the two games in between until game four last night we dropped 50, he, he wasn't he wasn't as good. I know game two, he didn't put up nearly as much points. He didn't. And Michael Porter Jr., who I see, can be possibly the go-to scorer for the team. Um, he's not there yet. This is his first season playing. Uh, he's been playing in and out you know, throughout this season. Uh, he's playing more and more a lot often in the bubble. But I think with his height, I think it's his scoring ability, I think he'll be able to become that go-to guy next season, if not two seasons from now. But defensively, this team just needs, this has to improve. That's literally what it is. Cause they have the offensive firepower. They got it. They got with Jokic being the seven-foot center playmaker that he is, with Jamal Murray, granted he needs to be more consistent. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., who has some good games throughout this series. I think they just need to play better defense. They just need to be more consistent. Even Mike Malone even pointed it out. Uh, that's just been their weakness. They need to play better defense. So, they lose this first round. I, I just, that, because I always praise the Nuggets. I always just like the Nuggets. I think they, they just lose a little bit of credibility that a lot of people, including myself, give them because they just proven they just can't really get it done. After being eliminated last year in Game 7 in the Western Semis, um, the year before, I think they lost They lost in the first round the year before. So, it's like, what's it going to take for you all to take that next leap to become the guys that, being including myself, already think you already are. They just need to be become better defensively and create and need to have that go-to score, which I think would be Michael Porter Jr. Let's go into the last series. I know some of you guys have been or have been wondering when I was going to talk about it. Lakers and Trailblazers, this series. So, this was a series that I was happy. I was very happy that it it came to fruition. Because before the bubble started, the AC was Memphis Grizzlies. Now, Grizzlies, they played very well throughout the season, and they earned it AC. But with this bubble uh, and the way that it worked out, that if there was the ninth seed was four games behind the AC, they'll have a playing game. And the Trailblazers, Damian Lillard, he came in with a mission. He was very relentless. He came in. He said, no, no, one more. You know what I came here for. You know, and he came here... He didn't come here for a little two-week stay. Like, oh, you know, I'll play these playing games in this league. No, 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 no. Damian Lillard came in with the intent of making the playoffs, and he is here. And I knew that if he would became, if the Trailblazers became the eighth seed and would end up facing the Lakers, this would be a harder-fought battle than it would have been the Grizzlies. Not saying the Grizzlies are a weak team, because obviously, like I said, they managed to be an eighth seed team where the Trailblazers wasn't even... It wasn't even the eighth seed going into the bubble. Then it was like, what, the 10th and 11th seed? But they just fought their way through at, with the addition of Yusuf Nurkic coming back. That helped them a lot. Um, and Melo playing very well, too. The Trailblazers are more competitive. They, they make it more competitive for the Lakers. Um, I, I remember specifically the first game back at the Kobe Bryant's death, which I'll get into later in the show. Then uh, Lillard came in and dropped 60. Easy. Beat the Lakers. And they, that's one of like Lakers' weaknesses is guarding good guards. Because, yeah, everybody talk about their 
uh, their bigs like LeBron, AD, JaVale, this and that. But with Avery Bradley gone because he didn't want to join the bubble because of his concerns for his son, and Rondo being out, he was he was supposed to be active game three, but he had to suffer from some back spasms, so he was not listed active that game. You have the defenders like Danny Green, who's supposed to be a good 3 and D player, but has declined over recent years. KCP, um, Caruso. I mean, you got these guys. You got J.R. Smith, Deion Waiters. You got these guys guarding Dane Lillard and them. I mean, come on now. Barbecue chicken. But that wasn't the case throughout this whole series. Um, like I said, the Trailblazers, they took game one. Uh, but it was a, it was a very close game. Uh, good clutch shot from Gary Trent Jr. He's been playing very well in this bubble as well. Um, game two and game three was a little different story. Game two, Lakers blew him out. Blew him out the water. I was in the gym watching the game. And I saw, I was like, are they blowing him out by 30 in the third quarter? I was like, ain't no way. I'm just, I just can't see. The TV was so far away. I just couldn't even see. I was like, ain't no way. This ain't happening. No, no, no. I look. I get close. I said, I'll be damned. They are. Dang it. I know my Lakers fans like you just a Laker hater. I just you know it's not even the fact that I'm a Laker hater. I just want you know LeBron. People been talking about it for years. It's like LeBron does this in the East. Wait to get to West. So and LeBron he's finally in the playoffs in the West because he didn't make it last year. I just wanted him to experience the gauntlet that is the West. So I want him to go through some tough battles. I ain't rooting against the guy. I, if LeBron wins, he wins. I, I have no stake in this. I mean, I would, I would want the Rockets or the Clippers to come out the West. But if he makes it, oh, well. My Pacers ain't making it. You see, they about, they probably about to get swept. Hopefully not. Rockets, they can make it. They can make it to the Western Conference Finals low-key. I ain't going to cap. They can make it. But, you know, I just want LeBron to experience that, this gauntlet. So just, that's why I said that I was excited when the Trailblazers came to HC. And uh, we finally saw playoff LeBron in Game 3. Because Game 1... He put up 20 points uh, and a couple, you know, he had a little triple-double. Second game, didn't really do as much. But the third game, whew, third game, this man put up, he had 38 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists. This is what I wanted. I wanted to see LeBron in this mode. Because, like I said, the first game, he wasn't putting up a scoring efficiency. Because if we've seen in the, in the seeding games, too, LeBron wasn't really scoring as much. And a lot of questions raised my head. I was like, is this LeBron holding back for the playoffs? Is he getting old? What, what, what is it? Why, why, why is LeBron going off? And the playoffs are here. The first two games, he really didn't show it to me. But this game, he did. He did. Now, I'm not saying he played bad the first two games. It's just that what I'm accustomed to now, watching LeBron, who has went to the finals nine years in a row, um, I was just accustomed to him you know, scoring high points. Especially at 2018's final run, he was just going off ridiculous with a lesser team. So I was expecting him just to do a, like I know with AD being there, he's carrying it. He's like carrying the team in terms of points, rebounds, blocks, steals, and all of that. I thought he was going. I know he's going to put up more points, but I think I was thinking at least these guys was going to buy for at least 60 every night. That's what I was hoping, and we saw that in Game Three. Now Game Four, who's say what's going to happen tonight? As I'm recording this tonight, by the time you're watching this, we'll know the aftermath. Maybe be two two, or maybe be three one. Hopefully, it's two two. But I, I, I'm intrigued by this series. I'm very intrigued by this series. Now, one thing I did notice about the Trailblazers, there was way too many missed shots in the clutch, in in the clutch time. I felt like there was like no go to guy in that moment. Uh, 
Dame Lillard didn't show up in that crunch time right there. Now, granted, he is playing with a dislocated finger on his left hand, which is his guiding hand for his shot. Um, some people will ask what is going to affect him. Didn't really affect him as much, but I feel like in that moment, a lot of players didn't step up. Camelo stepped up big in third quarter. He did. He had eight straight, it was like eight or ten straight points by himself. He hit a mid-range jump, a jump over LeBron James, and uh, I think it was either JaVale or AD. It was good. Then he was, he was playing good. He was playing good in that little stretch right there. But in that moment, in the fourth quarter in game three, uh, it was way too many missed shots uh, going on right there. And it was some silly shots being taken, if I if I remember, too. So that's one thing that needs to be fixed. Uh, CJ McCollum, who is playing with a fractured back, salute to him, too, for continuing to play, uh, needs to step up more for that team. Because uh, as him being the second primary scorer on that team, now, Grant, like I said, he's playing with a fractured back. We, if he's going to play, I mean, I will hope and want that he brings more to the table, especially for this series to be more competitive because I don't want this to be like an easy, you know, series or a gentleman sweep. I want to be competitive. I mean, who don't? Like, regardless of me being a Laker hater or not, I just love basketball. I want to see more games because we haven't we've been deprived of basketball literally for, what, we, we got it back in July and then, yeah, for about four months. We've been deprived of basketball for about four months. So, I'm just selfish. I just want more basketball. Um, yeah. That's all my thoughts about the series going uh, so far. Let's go into the future. No, not actually going to the future. Let's talk about the future in the NBA. The draft lottery was last Thursday, um, and the picks are out. Number one pick is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, number two pick is the Golden State Warriors. Uh, number three pick is the Charlotte Hornets. Number four, we're going to the Bulls. Five to the Cavs, six to the Hawks, seven to the Pistons, eight to the Knicks, <laughs> nine to the Wizards, ten to the Suns, eleven to the Spurs, twelve to the Kings, thirteen to the Pelicans, and fourteen to the Celtics. Fourteen to the Celtics. And how these guys end up in a lottery and get these picks every year? God, Lee, I forget who they they did this. Ah, it's the Brooklyn trade. It's the Brooklyn. I think it's the Brooklyn trade. That's why they in there. But anyways, yeah. So. My prediction for this draft. Now, granted, that was one thing I was talking about yesterday. I don't know as many young players like I used to. I ain't going to cap y'all. I know a couple. I know, like, the primary ones, like Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, James Wiseman, Obi Toppin, some of those guys. Uh, but, like, I don't know, like, the full class. So, I can't really give you a full depth. I'm going to give you a full depth chart of, like, who are going to go to each team. And, like, I, I don't know that. But I wanted to, like, use this to talk about, like, the top – Three picks, or at least top two, most importantly. So, my prediction is this. With Minnesota Timberwolves having number one pick in the draft. Hear me out here. Hear me out. Hear me out. So, the Minnesota Timberwolves, they dragged the car into town. This is the last time they had number one pick. They had him, you know, for a couple years. Ain't really been doing too much with him. Um, but, they was able to trade and get D'Angelo Russell from the Warriors after trading Wiggins this this season, crazy. I was gonna say last season, but it was this season. And with them now having the number one pick, I think they can use that pick to trade for a disgruntled Devin Booker. Because there have been rumors for years about them three wanting to pair up, and the, the rumors starting to get more heavy in the past year or so. Now, I remember correctly, I talked about this last time on the show. Uh, the Suns 
uh, or Devin Booker was angry with the Suns for not going after D'Angelo Russell in the free agency last season because the Suns felt like he was immature. Now, if they already have two pieces of the puzzle, and he's just missing just one, if they can find a way to just trade that pick, because the, the first two picks are guards anyway. Now, let's say they draft Anthony Edwards or LaMelo Ball to play alongside D'Angelo, that's fine. I mean, they can also do that. But if they really want to go after completing this team of these three guys wanting to play with each other like they have or they wanted to, um, I think they can leverage this pick to get Devin Booker from the Phoenix Suns. Because here's also why I think it's a win for the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Gun, the Phoenix Suns do not have a true point guard. That's been a, a problem with theirs for a couple years. So if they traded for that pick, they can get LaMelo Ball or Anthony Edwards, and they can have, or like I said, it could be LaMelo Ball. If they draft LaMelo Ball, they have LaMelo Ball at the one, which for one, you have a box office name to replace Devin Booker because LaMelo Ball is probably the most famous person in this draft. He ain't no probably he is. He's the most famous person in this draft. So you get LaMelo Ball, so you get box office, and get you a good point guard, a tall point guard at that, 6'7". And you'll be able to keep DeAndre Ayton. You'll be able to keep Kelly Oubre. So you have your three main guys right there already. Yeah, all you need to do is just, like I said, you just you can pick up some pieces here and there. Uh, you, there you go. Boom. But for the for the Timberwolves, it'd be very good for them. They'll have, if they get Devin Booker, they'll have D-Lo. They'll have D-Book. They'll, they'll have Josh Okoge, if he's not including that trade. Power Ford, I don't know who else they have. Uh, they'll have Carly Town at the five. <laughs> and, I mean, and then they can possibly complete for AC. They'll make the West even more harder. Now, because they'll <laughs> LeBron better win a championship this year. Because if this trade happens, oh God, the West is going to become a true gauntlet. Because then you'll have another super team, a young super team at that, that's being formed in the Western Conference in Minnesota at that, which will be very interesting to see. Very, very interesting to see. Now, with the Warriors, with them having the number two pick, I always vouch for Obi Toppin to go to the Warriors. Now, the reason why I say Obi Toppin, granted he is a power forward, but if the Warriors wanted to play this little small ball, like not necessarily like the Rockets, but kind of have like a, a smaller center, a more mobile center, not saying Wiseman ain't as mobile, but I feel like Obi Toppin would be more equipped for that system, be more equipped for that team because he is quicker. More agile. Um, he he has a little three point. I think he has a three pointer shot, a little bit better than James Wiseman from what I've seen. He's more athletic, definitely, way more athletic than him, which is also why I think that would be a better fit because he'll be able to run up and down the floor with the guys and they'll grab a rebound, toss it to Curry or let's say Wiggins grabs a rebound and toss it to top. And he's going down there. It'd be electrifying. I think it'd be fun to see. You have Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, Obi, or Wiseman. Well, now with Wiseman, what Wiseman bring, he is a little bit taller, way taller. I think Obi is like, what, 6'9", 6'10", with Wiseman 7'7", uh, good post play. Um, I don't know too much about him. He has a little bit of a shot, but I don't know. I just feel like Obi Tom would be a better fit for him. I just feel like that would be the way to go for the Warriors if they want to use that pick. Maybe I don't know why they would trade it, but I think the best thing for them to do, especially if they want to stay cheap, because they already got... Three guys with max contract with Steph Clay and Wiggins, and you got a Draymond on a three-year, hundred million dollar deal. I think you keep. I think you you just get Obi Toppin to complete that puzzle, and you just keep the guys that you have already. Put them on the bench, probably gain a few guys to to go on the bench with them. And the Warriors be right back. Oh my God, the West 
The Western Conference gonna be even more of a gauntlet. It's LeBron James' only chance to win a championship. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just gonna get harder from her. It's just gonna get harder. It's literally gonna get harder from her. Like you, we, the West is hard now. We add two. If the, if if everything I said comes into fruition, we adding two more teams into playoff contention. Like what? What? And the Grizzlies, they was already supposed to be in the playoffs. And they lost Jaron Jackson Jr. So then, so, oh my, and then the Pelicans, oh my God. Don't, this, I'm getting, I'm getting worked. I'm getting excited. I'm getting excited. I'm, let's, let's wrap this show up before I, you know, before I do too much. Let's wrap this show up. So, I'm going to wrap this up. You know, as I say, I am recording on 824. This is Mama Day, uh, Kobe Bryant Day. And it's also um, a frequent guest on this show, a good friend of mine, George Bell. Uh, his birthday. Happy birthday to you, George. You're probably watching this. It's not even your birthday anymore, but it's okay. As I'm recording this, it is your birthday. And happy Mamba Day. Uh, what has Kobe mean to me? I know it means a lot to George. George loves Kobe. That's his guy. Um, but to me, um, my dad was like, he is a Laker fan. I grew up, I would, I would say I, I grew up a Laker fan until I eventually started forming my own opinion about basketball and I became a fan of the Phoenix Suns, specifically Steve Nash, who was my favorite player of all time. Uh, but Kobe, um, I remember the very first episode I recorded this show was talking about his death. Uh, it's crazy. Months later, uh, it's what, seven months later, uh, that he is, it's, it's unreal to say that this man is dead. Uh, to be celebrating this day, 824, without him here. And just reflecting on what he has done, impact he has on people globally, is just amazing. Uh, what he contributed to the game of basketball and to life itself, uh, just motivate people just to be the best they can be and just try hard. Because if anybody uh, exemplifies or is an example of just hard work and dedication and just being determined when all things are seen to be pointing against you, that's Kobe Bryant. Uh, he just proved just I, I mean he's just one of the greatest basketball players of all time um, he, has, he, he, has, he hasn't had an impact on me as he had on a lot of people but me being a fan of basketball me being an admirer of people who exude a hard working mentality and dedication to their craftsmanship like The Rock who, which is a poster I'm looking at above me right now or like Kobe Bryant in this case it's I like people like that, and I admire people like that. So, Kobe, uh, thank you for what you have done for teaching and inspiring millions, possibly billions worldwide, to just wake up every day and work hard for a dream that you want to achieve and to never give up on that dream and to put as many hours as you can and be the best you can be in that craft. So, yeah. Excuse me. I'm going to wrap the show on that. Um, thank you all for listening. From the new, you know... Oh, worry not. <laughs> from the new, you know, uh, studio that we have here in uh, my new place. So, yeah. I'm done with this. Yeah. <laughs> Peace out, y'all.